and welcome to the Golden Feminine Podcast. This is a sacred space dedicated to expand wisdom around the feminine energetics, multipotentiality, embodied leadership, love, empowerment and sexuality. I'm your host, Ines Rockduval. Hello, hello, everyone who is listening to this podcast. Um, this podcast, we have such, such an amazing guest and a very important topic, I think, in society nowadays about healing, transformation, expansion, and integration, I would say. Um, so we have a very special guest. Her name is Amanda Eftimio. I'm saying, I'm saying right, right? Good. And we are talking about um, psychedelic integration, how we can include uh, this incredible uh, natural healing of plants and just not uh, the plants into our daily lives for mental health, for body healing and our personal development and expansion. So I will let her uh, introduce herself here a bit. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. And yeah, I, we would love to know uh, here for the listeners um, things about you and tell me a bit about you and uh, introduce yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Inesh. It's so nice to be speaking with you. Hi, everyone. I am Amanda Eftimiu, and I'm a psychedelic wellness advocate, an integration educator, a facilitator, and a speaker. And I, one of my missions in life is to help people help themselves reconnect with, each, with, with self, with other, and with the world around them with more integrity and purpose and joy. And a big part of what I do is I not only help to orient people on this this new dawn of the psychedelic movement, it's quite a trendy topic nowadays. So um, a big part of, of the work that I do is to help educate people on this and share why it's important right now and sort of the cultural zeitgeist of the moment, why it is that we're talking about working with these substances for healing, for personal growth, and how we can inter integrate them better into our lives. And I have a, a company called Integra that works with facilitators and retreat centers and with individuals to, to uh, integrate these experiences uh, with more purpose and meaning. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. It's so, so, so inspiring and such an important uh, really topic, especially just not you just don't talk about the healing process, but actually how to integrate it uh, after. So I think you really do this, this incredible bridge between the spirituality, the healing, the therapeutic techniques, the ancient wisdom, the the daily life, the mundane life, how, to, how we can bring it into practical life, into our daily routine, which it's missing. Sometimes you think, oh, we need to go to this... Uh, healing retreats or the work is just there but also it's in normal life and people are how can i bring this state and how can i keep the frequency the high frequency the work i have been doing in the retreats or the programs or with the mentor into my daily life uh, in a more autonomous way 
in a more sustainable way, I would say. I think it's really the right word. And I would love to ask you, how did it come to you and, and your personal experience with that? How did it come to you? Because I, when I met you, you were already uh, kind of in this journey, right? And uh, you have been really, really in a potent journey in, in many places in the world. And uh, I would love to know how did it come to you and your call? Absolutely. So yes, Inez, this this world of psychedelics, plant medicine, personal growth has been with me for many, many years. And I entered the space of working with these substances for my own mental health struggles that I had when I was in my late teens and early 20s. And I was somebody who was trying all kinds of ways to get better, but mostly through the pharmaceutical route in the sense mm. that I was taking antidepressants, anti-anxieties. And I realized then that I was just taking something to numb my pain, sort of put a Band-Aid over the problem instead of actually looking at what was really the root cause of my suffering. Why mm. was I feeling the way I was? And I was experimenting then with different forms of altered states. So not just psychedelics, but this is when I started to work with yoga and meditation and dance, uh, ecstatic dance movement, breath work, all these different modalities that, that really brought me into another place where I could reconnect with myself. And it was as I was working with these modalities that I was introduced to plant medicines, and that opened a door for me. By no means did it make my problems go away overnight. It didn't cure my depression. But what it did was that it brought me to a bigger understanding of how I can actually help myself in a real way. And it wasn't by relying on drugs or medicines, but actually that medicine that lives within me, that uh, personal power and resilience that I have and That's what started this very long process of what I call integration of making sense and making meaning of that, that plant medicine experience into my life. Mm -hmm. And fast forward many years, I was working sort of in a more traditional job at a tech startup. I was, I was enjoying it, but it wasn't really bringing me a lot of purpose because I knew that there was this part of me that really wanted to support others based on what I experienced for myself. And many years later, I actually decided to go back to university to have a more of an academic or, yeah, an academic and scientific perspective of what these substances, these psychedelics can do for us. And so I went to university and I did my master's of science and neuroscience. And that's when I was really looking at what's actually happening in the brain when we're working with these substances. Mm -hmm. And that was a really important part of my journey, but it wasn't exactly the complete picture because I myself had experienced these in a more ceremonial way, in a way that was more transpersonal, connecting more with my spirit. And so I was, my, my big goal is actually to combine these and to bridge that science and that sacred to make a more well-rounded, um, interpretation and experience of these psychedelic substances. And so my personal journey started from a more of a personal um, healing. Um, it was for personal healing and it's evolved now through my, my, the world of neuroscience, through the business realm, because I also worked in the, the business side of the psychedelics industry was working for a company that made investments into psychedelic therapy 
uh, also in the nonprofit sector. So there's so many different ways that have now been woven into the psychedelic space. And yeah, that's how I got here, essentially. And it's not anymore like a big taboo, right? Because, for example, in America, you I remember you were telling me that you were going just not working with these um, companies that work on psychedelic um, investment, but also you were uh, going into a very non-profit organization in Vans, no, to Amazon, and and how these actually are kind of global events to how to create more impact in the world, right? So. Um, I would love to ask you, so in these events and in this main, your experience and this world that uh, you are so integrated, uh, which are the medicines, if you have to really speak about some medicines that you have been working with, that you find that are really bringing a meaningful and transformational experience, you can also share this experience of yours or some medicines that you have are being having more um experience with that you could share a bit about yeah so when we speak of these medicines and you know i also even i'm i'm interested in how we use the word right psychedelic medicines right so medicine implies that there's it's taking on an old uh, construct of what we do when we want to heal right we want to yeah, take a yeah. medicine as well yeah. so that's also really interesting how we're talking about these substances as such and also in the context of their indigenous or originary uh, origins which is a, as a plant medicine as a as a sort of a a, a part of a particular indigenous culture that has worked with such to heal, but also to connect with the divine and to the cosmos. So there's so many ways we can talk about these. Um, I will call them medicines. However, for some, it may not be that case. And, um, yes. Yeah. Because it's so interesting because there is this difference between calling in medicine because it's from where I my experience and from where I came from and it's it's so interesting that we are here bridging it from you know the spirituality the mundane and um, the corporate also life and the more professional um, terms in different parts of the world and it's very interesting I have some experience with some medicines but are substances and uh, well you have really been into the the neuroscience of them and really a lot to share and i'm so curious because we have been speaking some that we have tried also and um, yeah your your approach on on those substances yeah so some of these these substances or medicines they you know your your one of your uh, earlier questions is around which ones you know, to talk about more. And I would say from the experience of the work that I do in supporting others, there is no one specific substance that has more effect as on a broader scale, because everyone's yeah. quite different. What I can speak to are the ones that are the most common, especially as we're kind of navigating this space from also for a legal perspective, most of these substances are not legal uh, in parts many in many places in the world. And in the United States, for example, some of these are moving through clinical trials as a treatment for specific disorders like MDMA, which wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily be considered a classic uh, psychedelic medicine, yes. 
right? But it is being used as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. And we have the more plant-based ones like psilocybin, which is the compound found in what we would call magic mushrooms for people with treatment-resistant depression. So that from a regulatory sort of a clinical perspective, those are the ones that are most often spoken about in research. We also have ketamine, which is a um, not an illegal substance. It's a schedule four in the US. And I believe even in Portugal, it's used legally for people with depression, anxiety, when administered in a by a psychiatrist. So these substances, I would say these psychedelics are, are quite interesting from a clinical perspective. And we also have ones that are more used in the, the traditional ritualistic context, such as ayahuasca, mm -hmm. um, peyote, um, we have even uh, 5-MeO-DMT. So mm -hmm, there are a few yeah. iboga. There are a few substances here that don't necessarily have that regulation around it uh, from any legal point of view, with the exception of places in the world where it's used for religious and cultural reasons. And so, yeah, there's no one right substance for anyone. And I also would say that these psychedelics are not for everyone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I make sure to say that um, there are people who um, cannot be or should not be working with them if they have a certain predisposition to certain mental disorders like psychosis mm -hmm. or if they have schizophrenia in the family. And that's important to check with a, a clinician before even working with these um, psychedelics and having a really thorough assessment. And so I do feel it's my responsibility to say that as well. And in terms of how we can bridge these from an integration perspective, it's interesting because whether or not we're working with these from a clinical or a non-clinical point of view, whether we're specifically taking MDMA for our post-traumatic stress disorder, or we're doing ayahuasca to open ourselves up to what's happening in a more mystical or spiritual yes. realm and to have greater connectivity, regardless of whether we're doing one or the other, integration is that shared language between both of those. Integration for us, at least for us in the West and the global North, where we are not living in a society, in an indigenous society that lives with in harmony with nature, that's oh. already connected to these medicines we are living in cities we're living in places where these substances aren't part of our normal day-to-day -day. so for us integration no matter what is so important you cannot do like i imagine uh, that's why it's for some cases and clinical perspectives they have another medicines like mdma or ketamine instead of like microdosing ayahuasca or peyote no right I imagine that there is like a resonance even on our daily lives and uh, because we live in cities and it needs specific requirements of also wisdom and connection. And, uh, and so I imagine that there is a difference of why some substances are more um, are more studied or more used and uh, recommended for like daily life microdosing, which is something that uh, microdosing normally is a sm very small quantity, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, of um, a certain substance to actually rewire our brain and have uh, some wellness, um, well-being effects, right, on our daily lives. 
Yeah. So, so for microdosing, there are two substances that are normally um, done so and anecdotally, but one is in particular is being studied in the research. So psilocybin is being mm -hmm. studied for microdosing in, in clinical settings or in scientific uh, settings, especially in the US and the United Kingdom. And true to what you say, perhaps why we're more attracted to something like ma magic mushrooms or to LSD. Is it something that for us, we can relate with more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also to say on the, on the side of microdosing of other substances like ayahuasca or, or mescaline, which is in peyote um, that hasn't been, that's not normally done and it isn't being studied. So if anyone's doing so, it's all just kind of anecdotally beneficial or not for them. It's also not something that traditional um, uh, communities that have worked with these medicines, uh, sacred medicines, they don't necessarily um, speak of doing this. They don't um, allow this, so to speak, within their traditions. And so if people are doing so, it's it's coming out of more of an appropriative or, or people um, doing so on their own free will in the global norm in a more recreate, not recreative, but they're experimenting out of the context of their original use. So that's also not something I would personally um, speak to as, as anything to, um, I wouldn't um, promote that usage at all. Um, however, for microdosing, that is having a lot of qualitative effect in the sense that people are finding that they're more present they are having more creative tendencies. Now, I will say current research shows that there is no, that a microdose is no more effective than a placebo at this current stage. Now, there's given, there's limited evidence at the moment. So there's not real world studies of multiple hundreds of thousands mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. people yeah, microdosing. Yeah very much in a closed environment. So that's one limitation. And also there is such thing as, you know, placebo is not a bad thing, right? We are feeling better about ourselves in the process, but from a scientific point of view at the moment, microdosing has not shown it to be more than a placebo effect. That being said, I do believe that microdosing has helped people for a number of reasons. The first is that, and this also ties back to integration. What we do on a daily, as a daily practice is the practice of presence and being in mm -hmm. the present moment. Mm -hmm. And what microdosing does is it's a ritual every day where we are in presence. We are forcing ourselves to come back to what exactly what we're doing and consuming. So a lot of times people accompany a microdose with a meditation or an intention setting. So there is an anchor to something that's out of our ordinary day to day that actually makes things more meaningful in our in our life. And so I feel that microdosing is part of a complete system that we have, which includes intention setting, slowing down, having a morning where we're not checking our phone right away, these small things that are helping us to maybe even change our diet or our lifestyle, people who are microdosing for example, for a specific period of time are not drinking, they are not consuming other kinds of substances, they're eating better, they're sleeping more. So all of this is why we're feeling better about ourselves, we're having more focus at work. It's not just one thing that creates all of this 
um, change. And that's something I really stress about these altered states and these psychedelics in general. The reason why they're so interesting for us now is that they're allowing us to look at ourselves in a different way for us to take back our own agency to get well, Mm -hmm. to be better, to be more motivated, to be more connected. It's just a tool. It's one of the many tools that we have. And you and I mean, your practices are also part of that tremendous array of what we can do to reconnect. It's not just psychedelics. It's not just a breathing practice. It's everything together. Together. Yes, 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 yes. That's really, really, really beautiful. I really resonate because I started my path actually through the natural cycle. Well, before the meditation and the yoga, then here's the natural flow. uh, I think of the universe. I really started with the yoga meditation and then uh, naturally went into natural psychedelics, which... um, or even not natural, like the substances that are actually cre- created in in a laboratory. But I have found that I have tremendous effects on my body and my uh, altered states of consciousness. And what is re- uh, altered states of consciousness that brought me? And I'm speaking also about because um, I have more experience in uh, in the proper higher doses than the micro doses. Although I have uh, experienced both, it really helps me to become aware of myself and by becoming aware and by understanding where the problems are coming from i can also have an opportunity to make peace and and forgive myself why is this coming from where are my triggers it's like all the pandora that you are not aware of why you are acting like this why your behavior um is acting towards someone like why you get get triggered by this so all these questions when you kind of open the pandora when you kind of open and expand your consciousness the answers just come to you so for me it was very important the beginning of my process to understand especially with my ancestrality with my inner child and how i could be more in peace why? Because I'm actually having the answers and the awareness and the consciousness. So on daily life, when I find myself, oh, I'm acting like this, wait, hold on, I can have opportunity to change. So that presence, it's incredibly important. And I, I have been all the ones we have been talking about, I, I've also experienced myself. So I know uh, it's it's really, really an incredible tool for the first stay one of the first stages of healing which i called self-awareness because Mm -hmm. for me it's very important self-awareness and then the embodiment which is the connection with the body and uh, yeah and that we have we can do the connection mind body and spirit so i think this is a topic that really brings me a lot of course there is a lot of uh, studies that have proved that heal cancers and heal uh, the physical body because the moment yes. that you also understand uh, and can recalibrate and redefine your emotions, you can also change at the physical level and vice versa, right? Um, so it's 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 really really special what you are what you are bringing into the world. And before we go into the next question, which is how do you actually can um, integrate it in, in a more corporate life and because people think oh my god this is really uh, i'm gonna take like mushrooms before going to like my business like what like <laughs> yeah so i want to really demystify that part um but before that um 
I would love to to also ask, like, uh, let's say if if it's a person that is listening here and uh, would ask, well, I have some uh, problems with like my body or self confidence, or I'm searching more to be present. How do you um, distinguish better like each substance for different cases for different kind of um, results? Let's say like there is. Um, the microdosing or the, the psilocybin and there is ketamine, MDMA and um, uh, the LSD as well. Uh, with all of them, I have very different experiences. Uh, the, my, the psilocybin really brings me to a more spiritual level, a more introspective level. Mm-hmm. Um, the MDMA, I really found that really opens, for example, my heart a lot. So really all the issues around my heart and my and heartbreaks and really expanding that center of mine, right? So it really works on that level. This really love, uh, self-love, bubble of love. And I, I found that I had experience with uh, LSD that really awakened my energy, which mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I felt that, uh, with ketamine, I don't have that much uh, experience uh, at all. So, yeah, I would love if you could just, um, for different kind of results, what would you briefly say about them? Or people yeah. who are listening? Because sometimes people are like, come come, and they're like, okay, I would love to integrate them in my daily life, where yeah. to start and mm. which one is best and who to talk with, right? Sometimes people have yeah. I'm asked often this and it's funny because <laughs> I wish there was like the, there's part of me my scientific brain that's like okay let's go into the research what does the research say and there's one answer there and then there's also like <laughs> the, the whole life the world and the underground and the people who are experimenting and working with these outside of clinical context and they have different reasons even for you you explain you know there is no correcting you you or not because your your interpretation and experiences completely valid and everyone's is different mm-hmm. but you mention things that are often um spoken about as as results right mm-hmm. over cross section of people so many people find um a more deeper emotional and introspective connection with mushrooms that is true some people may not it also really mm-hmm. depends on your set and setting right so the setting is the actual environment in context in which you're working with these substances. And oftentimes people can be taking mushrooms recreationally for at a festival, for example, <laughs> they're not going to have that introspective feeling. Or if they do, it might be masked by the the the, the noise and the people around them, right? Or totally. they're doing it exactly. Or they're doing it one-on-one or by themselves at home. That leads to a very different result, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, yes. Same with MDMA, people who are working with it in a clinical perspective with for post-traumatic stress disorder as a one-on-one therapy, they're really going deep, they're opening their hearts, they're uncovering a lot of a lot of different traumas to find complete self-love. Or people take MDMA at a party, and that's a very different kind of experience, right? So what how people would enter this realm of which psychedelic to take and why and how. You know, as the person who is very much in this world, I also say I do not um, I do not promote the use of 
substances that are illegal in any place. So make sure that what you're doing is legal in your jurisdiction and where you're located. For example, there are truffles um, that are uh, legal, or rather they are not illegal to be used in the Netherlands. And there's a lot of people going there for mushroom um, experiences there for like therapeutic reasons, etc. So I will start with that. But what I do recommend people is that they take a look. This is part of the integration process. Also, they really take a look in preparation, which is what, you know, the, the steps that you take before working with any kind of altered state. What is it that you're already doing? What does your practice look like already? Do you have a daily practice of breathing, of meditating, of writing? Do you have a presence practice? Are you already entering that space of self-awareness that then can be amplified? That's a really important question because a lot of people want to jump right into that peak experience. They want to go straight for the gold at the top of the mountain. <laughs> and they realize that, well, I have no idea what to do with this because I'm so confused. I've never been here before. I don't know what this feels like already. So depending on what you're already doing and how and your intentions also determines the the result, the actual result of that psychedelic, regardless of what that substance is. So you can be choosing between LSD and mushrooms and ayahuasca, and you have a similar intention, but based on your experience of life, your experience with altered states, and your ability to uh, let go of control of the outcome of any of these experiences, that will determine what actually happens at the end. Because I've met people who take very high doses of substances and of medicines, and they feel very little because they're not yet ready and open to that kind of experience that's going to show yeah. them. It's a very important point. Totally. This is really, and, and this is bringing to a point that I really want to mention that if it's not used in the right way with integration can be dissociative, mm -hmm. right? So it's like uh, I I find in many in many people that they are taking this to dissociate. They are not looking for a very profound self awareness experience. They are looking to like just go out of this body and just forget the problems and forget the world and just be out of the world for one day, and nothing really can can be resolved in this way. Just an experience is and a sensation. But in the end of the day, what did it result? What kind of insights did you got? And if it's not done with a specific intention, that's why um, I find so important when we work with these uh, substances, or especially if they are considering natural medicines, which is the case of psilocybin, which uh, in coming from my uh, experience has a spirit, would say, not really respected and then in the right way can actually have the complete opposite effect, right? Yeah. yeah, you bring up a really good point. People who are constantly seeking something more and more to escape themselves, who are actually working with these substances as a, as a tool to not look at their core root of what's going on inside of them, it can lead to A, you will not, um, essentially, you're not actually achieving the result that you're looking for in the first place. And some people are doing it subconsciously. Some people are 
viewing the psychedelic experience itself as the solution, as the answer, as the actual cure to what they're looking for. And so they keep going from one ceremony to another, from take one substance Mm. after another without integrating when they don't realize that the the space between, and it can be a very long space between, you could do a one psychedelic experience once in your life and feel that you have enough information that you then need to go and integrate for the rest of your life. And that happens Mm -hmm. for people. Mm Because it's what we do with this experience and the actual discipline that we have to have that those embodiment practices. For example, you speak so much of coming back to the body. All of these are integration tools. We can work with them for a very long time. We never need to go back to a specific drug or medicine or, you know, that that altered state can show us the way. And so, and the way can look very different for many different people. But there is this escapist tendency, especially in specific circles where, you know, it it can feel like very trendy to go and do ayahuasca and then have a bufo 5-MeO-DMT and then take some mushrooms on the weekend. And it's just one after another. And they are dissociating uh, in most cases. It's really um, all the more reason why integration is necessary for that grounding. Exactly. Yeah, it's very ungrounded, and I have to speak about my uh, in my experience. There are also the famous uh, bad trips, you know, that which I believe mm-hmm. that uh, happen a lot, special with the, with the psilocybin when they are taking exactly in these dissociative states. I find out that uh, psilocybin can bring us to a very very special and profound experience of shadow work. Uh, mm-hmm. of really come understanding our shadows but at the same time it also opens our energy field to feel what's around us so if we are not aware we can have actually that experience in the middle of like of a festival which can be extremely overwhelming and it's just you are dealing with our own shadows you are feeling the energies of the people around and maybe the shadows of the people and absorbing all that energetic sense and without an intention without how to hold yourself and again i say even the people who are doing this in a very recreational um uh, way i i always uh, invite that you have some experience of integration because if something goes wrong let's say you have a bad trip in a festival you need to have the integration tools after to actually actually heal because you re-traumatized yourself yes so if we don't have those tools if we don't have um knowing how to hold ourselves and we try to by ourselves like experience this kind of states it can be very traumatized and that is called the the known bad trip because you just stay in that vortex you don't know how to go out of there right so i in my experience it's very interesting because i started as i told you in this path and then i realized i have several areas of my life to work on like with my feminine lineage with my womb um with my my digestive system and that i went to find after lineages and teachers and that practices that actually could treat that issue that i have in my body 
So it doesn't matter how much awareness I got, it was important for me to have that awareness, but the healing was through another modalities then. So it's so important to bring um, that embodiment and that meditation on how can we every day in our autonomy integrate all the information we received because if we are just receiving information but we know how to alchemize into the body then the healing doesn't happen yes and it's all the more when you bring this up you know these bad trips it's all the more reason why integration starts with the preparation are you prepared to enter in a kind of state that it's unknown to you where you might not be Mm. fully in control, where you might be reaching places where you didn't expect. And how are you going to react to that? Are you already primed to these kind of experiences with other practices where you're coming back to yourself, where you're coming back to your body, where you trust your body's intelligence, right? Where you're not stuck in some kind of mind loop that could very often come from these bad trips. It's because we haven't done that kind of preparation. And then, of course, the actual integration, like you mentioned, the modalities are going to be different for everyone, but it's about the tool to help you get to the other type of process, right? To actually do the work to see things through. It's exactly. And that's exactly what you do now with Integra. So you you basically you receive a person who has done these experiences, right? And then you help them create a program or you create a program for them uh, with different facilitators. It's just yourself and you design a program for them to integrate. That's what you do, right? Yeah. So Integra does a couple of things. So on the one side, we are an education and training uh, platform. So I work with retreat centers and facilitators and coaches and people who are in a space holding capacity already who want to learn how to implement an integration program for their clients, for their participants, for their journeyers. So I consult on designing different programs that suit that particular brand or that particular facilitator. For example, a retreat center in Mexico hosting psilocybin retreats can be very different from a ketamine clinic in Portugal, right? But there is a whole sort of basis of of integration that can be woven in there's different principles and it's about bringing in the right people to support that process whether it's clinical whether it's ceremonial and also yes i integra part of that is my own coaching practice as an integration coach i help people to integrate prepare for and integrate their experiences and it's yes a lot of it is very much how the language that somebody feels comfortable, whether it's more talking as a coach would, asking the right questions, maybe it's making suggestions for other modalities. I would bring in the right professionals to help do that and do the integration that is specific to them. So it's very varied, um, uh, but it is something that I do. And and yeah. I have a lot of this question, especially after in the Middle East, uh, which is a lot of corporate world, right? is how they can integrate in a big, big corporate this kind of work. Like, Mm. you know, it's very, very important because you are doing actually that bridge, right, from the spiritual, from the corporate world. So big entrepreneur wants to bring this, this, uh, you know, this well-being routines in their life. And they have very, very busy life. 
because most of the times people don't go because they, they think they will take too much time or they are too busy or mm -hmm. right. So how could a, a big company actually use uh, these modalities and use these embodiment tools and integration into the company? How can they do? Uh, and also your experience, what it's most search and you see that has more results or effects. Yeah. So there's, you know, obviously we're speaking of legal practices, right? So in no way, shape or form do I suggest everyone in a corporate go and <laughs> exactly. take mushrooms and give it to their employees. That would be very funny, exactly. but not, I would get into a lot of trouble for saying that. But what I fundamentally believe is that there are practices that are altered states induced that are not with substances mm -hmm. that can really help people in the corporate world, starting with the leaders, the managers, the, the CEOs, who are looking to have a better sense of how to be better leaders, how they can really tap mm -hmm. into their own life center and their purpose to enact and be more humane and look at the individual employee and their colleagues and their peers with the same respect that they're learning how to give themselves. And so mm -hmm. that means weaving a lot of these integration practices into their own personal routines and then sharing with them how they can bring that to the workplace in a real sustainable way. And that can look like a lot of different things. It could mean having a, an amplified wellness program for these employees, but not like, a, you know, here's a one week wellness week. Everyone for one week learns about meditation and then that's it. There's nothing else to be taught. It's really integrating it into the fabric of the work, work mm -hmm. world. So what are the different exercises and tools to also create more trust in the relationships between colleagues? So oftentimes we really separate our world so that we cannot bring in more personal conversations and things that are happening to us in a way that can be met with respect and with understanding. Mm -hmm. So how do we actually create dialogue that's more open, that's more open to change, to ex curiosity, to exploration. These are all principles that we might have individually when we're working with altered states, but mm. we can work with them interpersonally as well. And then there's the final part, which is really about service. It's really about doing for others. A big part of what I believe in with psychedelics and the whole realm of integration is actually this theme of reciprocity. It's this giving and taking, this offering and receiving, how it is that we can achieve balance in harmony with ourselves and with nature, of course, by always finding ways to being of service for something outside of ourselves. We've been talking a lot about working with peak state psychedelics to help better us, I, the individual. But what comes a lot from these also originary indigenous traditions is this element of an offering. So by stepping into the space of an altered state or of healing oneself, what is it that we're offering another? And so I, I do feel that the service element or this, this aspect of of the balance of, of receiving and giving can really be integrated into the workplace in very easy, simple ways in terms of how it is that we show appreciation and gratitude for the people that we're working with, how the, the boss of the company can show more appreciation for employee and the other way around, how it is that we can incorporate more offerings into the work world. And mm. so 
it's not about necessarily saying, okay, let's all do, you know, psychedelics. It's actually, what is it that we're learning from and how do we apply it in a corporate context? That's very, 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 very beautiful. Exactly. So it it's essentially leadership, like leadership skills, how to talk, yes. how people can talk with each other, how to bring more empathy, because in the end of the day, um, let's say making a bridge of all together if we learn how to open our hearts and expand our hearts and have more self-acceptance and compassion we will bring this into our world into our relationships we have a bigger capacity of um, empathy uh, compassion acceptance tolerance with another being with us so and by being aware of our shadows and our own projections we will less project onto others so overall we are contributing for a better environment in a professional life a corporate life personal life right so by working ourselves we will be able to optimize so relationships inside the company and i think where i i listen from many leaders that when the environment is motivational when there is a nice environment the company grows and when the environment is just when this conflict there is this energetic stagnancy so sometimes companies just look at the results or the marketing or the design and what is not working and sometimes working at the environment working on how we position ourselves our personality how we actually are leading and bringing emotions into our workspace Right. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, all of this is rooted in relationships and the, the root of working with substance, with medicines, with these psychedelics is about our relationships, whether mm. to self or to others or to nature. Right. So if we can redefine our relationships in the work world, specifically, as we're speaking about now, and be stronger leaders and be more humane leaders to one another and show our truth and our authenticity, it'll lead to better, uh, more improved um, workplace performance. You know, if we want to see results and outcomes, it really starts with the quality of those relationships, which is stemmed from how we work with these substances and integrate them. Wow, this is really, 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 really beautiful. I think that, wow, so many gifts in this conversation and wisdom and knowledge. And I'm really, really grateful that you are bringing all of that. And I know that you have to go, but I would love just to end with a question like, um, yeah, to end this conversation, which message that would love to bring into your uh, into the listeners, the people who are listening here, what's the biggest message or advice or that you would love people to take away from this conversation? I will share uh, that the message that I would love to, to to share with all of you is something that I wish I had known for myself and that I needed to learn over time. And that's <laughs> truly this aspect that what we seek is really within us and that the first step to 
to fully owning who we are and, and opening to that is to realize that we are that medicine and that no matter how much we need, we want to externalize mm -hmm. and seek some kind of substance mm -hmm. or drug or modality or healing tool, it all really comes within us first and to remember that for ourselves before we start on any kind of journey. Mm, that's really, really, really heart-touching. I really love that. Sometimes we are trying to find answers outside, in the medicines, in the substances, in the practices, in gods, by mm. worshipping gods. And in some traditions, they do that, right? Instead of looking to ourselves and understanding that actually the answer is inside. I went through many, many phases of my life where I was doing course after course and teacher after teacher trying to find answers. What I was lacking was actually being with myself and do my this, maybe the same practice and go even deeper within myself because the answer was inside me, not out, outside. So they're incredible tools and help to be more present, but it's always to upgrade the biggest asset which is ourselves yes it's to unlock exactly. the answers of ourselves exactly nice thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed this conversation oh, me too me too me too thank you so much for um being here for accepting and for those who are going to listen to this from all over the world is such a very very important topic and i'm so grateful thank, thank you. you so much see you thank you so much for joining me in this episode i hope you have enjoyed and if so let me know how it landed to you for now have a gorgeous beautiful day and i see you on the next one